0: We are continuing on uh, with Hebrews uh, today. Uh, last week, we kind of closed uh, on verse 12, and we'll have one more verse. But yes, God's blessing to you this day. Why don't we, why don't we begin uh, with a word? Let us pray. Dear Father, we thank you for this day. Uh, we thank you uh, for tabernacling with us, uh, being present with us uh, by your word and sacrament. Lord, lead us this day uh, in the comfort of your grace, knowing full well uh, that you have given to us. Uh, the the true dwelling, and that is in our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right. So, uh, last week, we concluded on Hebrews 8, uh, verse, uh, what was it, 12, or um, 8 to 12, I think, uh, the series of verses there. And uh, this week uh, we are continuing on verse 13. So, you know, uh, the, the Hebrew writer continues to distinguish between Jesus and their old way of doing things uh, according to the tabernacle. And here we see, as we review last week quickly, briefly, uh, the, the picture of what is to come in the new covenant... And that is our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, verses 8 to 12. Verse 13 is where we will begin today. So, could read that for me, verse 13?
1: By calling this covenant new, he has made the first one obsolete. And
2: what is obsolete and aging will soon disappear.
0: All right, so when we say obsolete, uh, what's one, you know, for all you uh, technology people, um, how quickly when it comes to computers, uh, when you buy a computer, how quickly does it go obsolete? Probably uh, the week yeah. after you buy it. Oh, the week after, because there's another update. There's another. I don't even know computers, but there's another. Uh, what is the word? Version. A version. A faster version, quicker, more hardware's better. Cell phones. Cell phones too, right? I mean, yeah, you know, lately, Don, I I have a cell phone. I'm like, I don't ever want to get another one, because I really don't like them. I just want one that works. I've hit that point. I remember when I was a kid, I was like, oh, man, I can't wait for the next BlackBerry. Remember those? Oh, yeah. <laughs> I was like, so I can't do- I'm so excited. But now I'm like, oh, I hope this phone doesn't die because I want to keep it forever. Anyways, uh, but... Uh, Blackberry,
2: BlackBerry's
0: out of business. I, n- <laughs> I know. I know. Um, but then again, I might need to get a new one because I do a lot of uh, YouTube stuff for church. So I'll, I'll probably... I need a, always the better camera there for video. But, uh, um, but anyways, obsolete. Obsolete means what? What does obsolete mean? Outdated. Well, outdated. outdated. Um, yeah, I have a 2010 iMac mm. that barely works. <laughs> the rainbow wheel comes, goes on for like five minutes before it starts. I don't know why I still have it, but it's there. But it's obsolete. I look at it and say what? This is useless. I mean, it can't even play one application or else it starts jittering up like it can't function. I'm like, why is it here? Now, obsolete means, do we go back to it when we have the new 2022 Corvette? Do we go back to the 2021 Corvette? I know, what a dilemma, right? <laughs> <laughs> but what do we do? Yeah, we, we forget the 2021, we go to the 2022, better horsepower, I wish Keegan was here. I know he, would, he, would, he likes the Corvettes. He like likes yeah, to find th- a that. Oh, that's right. Well, that's okay. That's not a good that's example. Good. That's not a good example. That's
1: good. All
0: right. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. Uh, but yeah, you know, I think uh, obsolete means we, you don't, no one in their right mind would go back to something that is obsolete. And this is their, this is their, uh, their continued tension is that the writer saying, what you are going back to. Is or if you go back to it, the Old Testament system of, uh, of the sacrifices and of all of these things, what made these obsolete? What, what made their way of doing things in the Old Testament obsolete? Who was the one who? Christ, Christ right? Now, as we look at this uh, quickly obsolete, that, that time of sacrifice was there. Time and, time and time again, they would have to do what? They would have to give their sacrifices, right? All the time, even on the Day of Atonement, uh, that once a year uh, full sacrifice uh, as the, the high priest would uh, lay his hands on this animal, uh, basically transferring all the sins of the people to this animal, shedding the blood, covering the, the Ark of the Covenant with this very blood on the mercy seat, and this was the way to which they would uh, be cleansed from their sin. But yet, if this was all that there was, without any anticipation for what was to come in version you know, version 2.0, right? You always need version 2.0, not 1.0. That version 2.0, the second Adam, we'd call it, Jesus Christ, there he would be that fulfillment, right? So I, I know we've been going through this time and time again, but it's very important because... Um, when we say only Christ, um, in the midst of what they were going through here uh, with the Hebrews, uh, why, is, why is only Christ so important? Not just Christ, but only. Only Christ. Because it's not you. Only Christ. So there's no other... <laughs> Who said that? <laughs> yes, that's right. That's what I'm going to say. The things I laugh at. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) There's no other option, right? (laughs) Um, That what he brings to the table by his sacrifice, there he has made, remember, what is this right here?
3: Curtain.
0: Curtain torn into two, right? And here we see the picture that this is only Christ. Um, And this is what makes this work obsolete. Now, what we're going to study here in chapter 9 is the picture of the tabernacle and what that means, but as it points to only Christ and what he has brought to the table, right? Again, you know, in our day and age, friends, um, if it's not only Christ, it is obsolete. Do you believe that? I mean, do you? Because I know in this day and age, we say only Christ, but then sometimes we say, well... I guess it's only Christ, but it's some of these other things as well. Um, It's easy to kind of go along that path, I think, just kind of this popular Christianity of just kind of like morality-based as if this will save us or this will prove that we're Christian, Uh, but rather it is only Christ and his work, right? I I think when we heard the sermon this morning about loving your enemies, that's a heavy one, isn't it? I mean, y'all... You know, for, for us all here, I mean, loving and serving one another, pretty, pretty clockwork, right? I, I, do we agree? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Everyone's like, what is he talking about?
3: <laughs> well, this is the
1: happiest,
3: most comfortable. This
0: most comfortable. Places. Well, okay, not the happiest place on earth. But for me, oh, Disneyland? For Christians, oh. a very comfortable place to be, right? Just because
3: we're amongst each other. It's
1: very comfortable, but what was the
0: question? Oh, you're acting like me now. Oh, no.
1: I think the challenge is, we know it's only Christ, but we have, you know, the evil nature. and That's right. The next step of beyond only Christ is how do you live more like him? And, and that's just way challenging for us, right? Sure. Because we have that, that evil nature in us, and we can't be perfect like him.
0: And we strive, of course, yeah, right?
1: exactly. That's our battle, right? Yeah. To strive and get there. And um, it's really difficult.
0: Yeah, yeah. And that, that's why only Christ, at the end of the day, is only Christ. Because it is only Christ. Only it is Christ. So, um, solamente Christ, right? Mm-hmm. Spanish. I love that language. Anyways, um... Uh, <laughs> I told you, Carrie. My, bring, being brought up here in America, my tongue doesn't, uh, it's not muscle memoried to um, my native tongue, ironically. So, um, anyways, um, trust me. Actually, if I spoke Korean, do you be like, oh, that sounds so great? But the Koreans would say, that doesn't sound so great. <laughs> <laughs> so, anyways, like my wife was in here last week before she started laughing before I even... Remember you brought it up? She started laughing. Uh, (laughs) Anyways. (laughs) All right. We won't get off topic here. Uh, Verse 1, chapter 9, verse 1. Someone could read that.
1: Now the first covenant had regulations for worship and also an earthly
0: sanctuary. All right. So there were regulations. Who, Who commanded these? God commanded these to Moses. If you want to look at like the, uh, the tabernacle, how that was made, uh, please go to um, the book of Exodus, and there we will see uh, how, how the tabernacle was made. But I think um, when we talk about the Hebrew writer, his point was not to remind us, because the people already knew what the tabernacle was, but the point of chapter 9 is to really show the people that the tabernacle was... An anticipation of what is to come. And the only tabernacle versus only Christ was a non-issue because there can't be an only tabernacle. It's always pointing to the fulfillment of Christ. And that was the big, always the big conflict for the people. Um, And here uh, he is showing them basically that pointing to. So Um, It is an earthly place of holiness. So what did the tabernacle at the end of the day? There we would have the presence of of God leading them on their journey, uh, of course, to the promised land. And by that presence of God, uh, here he would uh, give to them uh, the tabernacle. Now again, God commanded his people to build this tabernacle. And if you Again, if you have time, look through Exodus, which we will go through again in 2024. We will get there. Um, We will. Oh, we will. Um, And when we do get there, we will talk about the dimensions, the linens of what was used. Especially interesting how they were all made to have hoops in them, rings, so that when it was time to move, they could put the poles back in and they could carry everything mobily, this tabernacle was uh, through where God would lead them by the pillar of cloud by day and the fire by night, right? But in essence, this was what God gave to them um, as they uh, would be led by him in this earthly place of holiness. So much was done here in the tabernacle, such as the sacrifices and all these things, but verse 2, if we read it here, verse 2, if so, could read that. <clears throat>
3: A tabernacle was set up. In its first room were the lampstand, the table, and the consecrated bread. This was
0: called the holy place. All right, so, you know, when we talk about uh, the lampstand in the holy place versus the most holy place, so the Holy of Holies. That lampstand uh, was this menorah like, you know, like one of these, one, two, three, one, two, three, one in the middle. Uh, seven, remember seven, completion, picture of restoration. Here we see uh, the light. Uh, they needed, uh, from, a, from a general standpoint, they needed light to go through this place. But also, uh, what do you think this is pointing to when we talk about the tabernacle in Jesus? Light. Jesus saying what? I am the light, light, light. light of the world, right? And again, um, if it's only Christ, what is the only light that he brings? The light that shatters the darkness, the darkness right? Um, and um, this darkness is what? Namely, sin and death and the separation from God, right? And we, we, cannot, we cannot free ourselves from this darkness. Uh, by ourselves, right? So when we talk about the presence of God, uh, they would go into the holy place, and there they would see the lampstand, the light that would shine out of the darkness, but ultimately, it's pointing to Christ as the light of the world. Now, again, this anticipation is very important, as I said, about only Christ, and that's the key point of the Hebrew writer here, pointing them to all that they've trusted. It actually pointed to the one that, um, that called them to be their own, and that's Jesus Christ, right? So this menorah, this light, uh, the lampstand would be there, and day in and day out, uh, the priest would attend uh, to this holy place and care for the things within it. Uh, the second would be, um, what else? Uh, the, the bread, right? Uh, the bread. What is, it, what is it about this table? The bread of presence. Um, And there would be, um, this is not a rainbow, this is bread. Duh. Right? <laughs> it could be at the Hollywood Bowl. Yeah. See it? <laughs> it's been a while since I've been to the Hollywood Bowl. My parents would always take me, like, to the classical Tchaikovsky stuff, and I was like, oh, why not... The other ones. Anyways, but uh, I love classical music, by the way. Grun- great appreciate. Bach of all people, of course. But here we see the picture of the bread. Now, what? This was, uh, again, a time where uh, they would, uh, 12 pieces uh, of this bread, again, the, t- the 12 uh, tribes, uh, the picture that God is uh, providing them all things, and this bread would be uh, replaced uh, uh, by the priests every Sabbath day, um, and this would denote that God uh, basically has given them all things, but yet also it is, what do you think, pointing to the, I am the bread of life. Bread of life. Why don't we um, turn to John 6 real quick. John 6, I believe it's, I think I wrote it in your notes, right? John, um, uh, John 6, 35, John six thirty five. And why doesn't someone uh, read that for me? Uh,
1: Jesus said to them, I am the
3: bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger, and whoever believes in me shall never thirst.
0: All right, so what did they do in the Old Testament sacrifices? It was a... Continual. Continual, right? Now, when Jesus says, I am the bread of life, what what is he saying about that? Perpetual way of doing things in the old, that he is actually the, the one who satisfies their hunger and thirst. And right there it says, I'm the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger, and whoever believes in me shall never thirst. And, and this is the picture of what is to come in the bread of the life, Jesus Christ, right? So again, when we talk about what the writer is doing here, he is really focusing in, upon Christ and what he brings to the table, Right? that he is the light of the world, uh, that he is the bread of life, uh, and, and that by his grace we are saved, right? And, and this is the connection, right? Um, and again, for us, whether, you know, as we see their tension of what they were going to for us as well, you know, it, it's, it, is this the light of the world? Is Jesus only the light of the world for you? Is, is, is this the bread of life? Is, is Jesus and his word... Uh, only Christ is that your faith, or or are you going to different mammon or different bread or or different lights um, and this is the tension that we face in our human sin right so so again, you know the uniqueness of god 's light in Christ pointing in this lampstand in the bread. On the showbread uh, of this table, uh, there he is showing us that Jesus is the one who satisfies our hunger and thirst that is giving us his righteousness through his body and blood. Um, and again, this is what the Hebrew writer is trying to really emphasize for the people uh, because we don't compartmentalize our faith. It's always only Christ. Everything about our faith is only Christ. Um, and this is, the me- this is the message that he is trying to send here uh, to the people, which they were struggling with, right? Um, Any questions on this? Bread of life? Light of the world? All right. Uh, Hebrews, back to Hebrews 9, uh, 3 to to 4, verses.
3: Behind the second curtain was a second section called the Most Holy Place, having the golden altar of incense and the Ark of the Covenant covered on all sides with gold, in which was a golden urn holding the manna and Aaron's staff that budded and the tables of the
0: Covenant. All right.
3: Oh, the tablets of the
0: Covenant. Oh, the, yeah, the iPads. Anyways, um, <laughs> so bad to joke. Sorry. Totally inappropriate. Anyways, but uh, the most holy place. So this is, uh, uh, this is where once a year the high priest could go in once a year uh, for the place of uh, uh, the Day of Atonement, uh, uh, for the sacrifice of the people. And here we see in the most holy place, uh, what do we see right here? Can someone explain? The, the golden altar of incense and the Ark of the Covenant, covenant covered in all sides with gold. Again, um, the incense... Uh, serving as uh, God's presence, his fragrance as they would give the prayers for the people, but also his, his presence with, uh, with the people in this incense. Uh, some churches uh, still do the incense uh, during service as a as a picture of God's presence. But also Aaron's staff. Now, numbers, uh, as the people were getting unruly, here would be the proof for God and his people, or, or for, for the people of God, uh, that along Aaron's line would be, as we see in the notes, uh, the authority of, of the high priest, right? That was a reminder to all the people that this was the line to which they were to go. And lastly, <clears throat> the, the ta- tablets of the covenant, uh, namely his, his commands of the law, there again was, uh, in these very things, the word of God as they were to follow by, by the covenant. So again... Um, when we look at the Word of God and we look at the authority of the Levitical line, and we look at, let's say, uh, right here, uh, the what was it? The, the altar of incense. Uh, this is again, at the end of the day, uh, where God is for the people. Now, again, you know, when we look at the tabernacle in a nutshell, uh, we very well know that where is. Uh, for us right now, where is that presence of God? Where is the presence of God as we look forward from the, the Old Testament tabernacle to what is to come in Christ Jesus tabernacling with us? Where is our presence of God? Where is he? Is he? In the, the word and the sacraments, right? That God is present with us. Even this morning as we heard God's word, God is present with us. And we know that because what? Because Jesus, by the gift of his resurrection, says, and I always repeat myself, uh, I will be with you until the end of the age, right? And this is where he is with us, uh, by his very word. So when we look at just this picture of what they were dealing with, again, um, we see the connection from the Old Testament to the New, as Jesus would be the fulfillment of these very things, but ultimately, when it comes to the presence of God, uh, here our Lord uh, promises to be with us in his fulfillment of his death and resurrection as the bread of life and light of the world. There he says, I will be with you until the end of the age. The sacrifice upon sacrifice is Jesus fulfilled. And therefore, the, the curtain was cut into two or torn into two, uh, showing us that he is the way to be with God. And there he is present with us in this day and age. Right. So it's very important that when we talk about uh, what they were dealing with, uh, I think for us, too, we can apply that, too. I know ever since the fall of the temple in in 70 A.D., uh, we very well know that these sacrifices uh, have stopped. But yet at the same time, uh, how do we relate to this? Because, of course, we don't have the urge to sacrifice things, Do we? Do we? No, because why? Because of only Christ, right? And that is uh, constantly the, uh, the picture here. And as Glenn said earlier, I think a lot of times, you know, when it comes to only Christ, uh, we know that's true. But yet, we might not do this, but we might definitely think that I need to give something to God to really solidify who I am as a child of God, as if I'm not a child of God yet, or as if I have to get there just a little bit more, right? The devil says, just a little bit more, Glenn. Just a little bit more and then you'll be a child of God. So try harder, try harder. And what is he doing right there? He's saying the cross is not enough. My sa- the cr- Christ's sacrifice of his death and resurrection is not enough and you have to do more? Basically, he's turning you away from the doubt. Yeah. The doubt. Yeah. God and his word, so it's right? It's
1: almost like we can't fully experience the true only Christ until we're you know, beyond the grave, the salvation, and really, because there's no more doubt, right? You're there, you've got the full experience of that. In, in our earthly life, we're in that sinful nature all the time. The doubt is always there, poking at us, and we can never truly experience.
0: Yeah, and when we, we speak of the presence of God, um, we're not wondering where He is. Like, just dig- He's not digging deep. I mean, <laughs> it's like, I mean, he's not digging deep into his soul Trying to find where God is All, You know, I, I know He's not trusting in his fluttering spirits As if he can have this warm heart Thinking that, oh, I know God's with me Because I have this I just had this tingling in my heart No, he, he very well knows that God is with him Because he is the true tabernacle Who overcame sin and death for him and, and this is his confidence, right? You know, the thing is about the Old Testament If they were stuck in the Old Testament What would happen? There would always be at the end of the day Doubt! doubt. <laughs> you know, I just need to be here fifteen more years, and you could do the Bible study for me. I could just <laughs> echo everything and you'd be like, Yeah, that's right. So anyways. No, by that time
1: we'll just be reading
0: your mind. <laughs> Oh no, you don't want that. You don't want that
1: Glenn. <laughs> you don't. You don't.
0: Please don't. You don't want that. Anyways, uh, trust me, be careful what you wish for. <laughs> Anyways, <laughs> um, Or at least you're filling
1: the blanks on
0: huh? <laughs> Yes, we'll, we'll stay there. We'll stay there. Uh, but no, again, we, we read in verse 13 in chapter 8 that what they had been doing became obsolete when the new covenant of Christ came to be. Now, again, if you're, you're, we're going back to the computer discussion, why would Jeff go back to the um, PowerBook in 2004 when he has a 2022 AirBook? I don't know if he does, but AirBook sounds more up-to-date, right? AirBook? Um, why would he go back to the... He would never go back to the 2000. Why would he do that? No more, his production would be slowing down, probably pull out his hair thinking, like, oh, like, this rainbow wheel's still going, and why would I even use this old way of doing things when in fact...
3: Because it's what he's used to. I'm not used to that. <laughs> <laughs> but, like, for me, when, when there's something new that comes up and I've just finally mastered, you know... I don't like things. Right? I've, I've just finally mastered the 2020 version and and now they come up with a whole new device that... I need to learn. I I'd rather just stick with the old one. I just so so in in Hebrews. Well, I I can understand how people go sure. back to what they had been doing. I mean, we can see how that people like what's familiar. Right?
0: Yeah, yeah.
3: Change is hard.
0: Trust me, I know. Yeah, definitely. Uh, change is hard. Yeah, that's right, Dave.
2: Well it seems to me that a large portion of the problem that Old Testament Israel was having is that the sacrificial system was not to them an indication of something to come.
0: Anticipation, yeah.
2: But it was an end in itself. Uh-huh. Yep. So that they they would go through the sacrifices and think that their sins are forgiven because of that sacrifice, when in fact they never were, and that's what the book of Hebrews is telling you. In fact, what it was always from the very beginning was an anticipation of the ultimate sacrifice of the Lamb of God yet to come. That's right. And that's why you see some of the, the messages of the prophets continually going back to remind the people of what is yet to come. But yet, this whole idea of the sacrificial system continued right up to the actual crucifixion of Jesus and, and probably for another what, 30, 35 years 30, after that seven. to the destruction of the temple. Yeah. And, and it was always an end in itself as far as much of the Old Testament Israel is concerned.
0: Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And, and that's, that's the thing. You know, uh, if, they're, if they're stuck in the obsolete way, you're ending with obsolete things that are fleeting and that, that, are, that are done in a sense of the old way, right? Jeff would never use, or Adobe, right? Adobe, I don't know, Adobe, you don't use the primitive version, you use the most up-to-date version, right? Uh, why would you use the old, sorry, is that a good example? I'm not, yeah. Adobe's like graphics and stuff, right? Something, like, sorry. Hey,
1: most companies don't allow it. use a computer past two or three
0: years. Oh, they don't, I know, because it's pretty it's much, well. yeah, so, so why would you go back to the same well when there is only Christ and what he has done for you? I mean, we know that as Christians today, but what do we flee to when we know only Christ? What do we flee to in our human nature? We, at the end of the day, you know, we look at the Old Testament, uh, the Hebrews, and, and how they look back at the Old Testament. At the end of the day, they were trying to do something to get something in hopes of having some type of sense of fulfillment as if this would be the way for their conscience. And, and at the end of the day, what, what is our way? We know only Christ, trust me. But as we talk and live out our lives and our thoughts and all these things, what what is that human tension? What, we
1: always fall back to what we can con- control and do ourselves. Can we try to do it ourselves.
0: Yeah, so when, when someone says, what does it mean to be Christian? Y- you don't say, well, you know, I've been to church uh, a thousand times. And I yeah, study the Bible exactly. every single day. Exactly. Um, and people, I mean... But that's our nature. I think a lot of times, honestly, that's our nature. Like, I haven't loved my, I mean, not I haven't loved my enemy. I, I, lo- <laughs> I loved my enemy. I do all this charitable work. You know, I do all this stuff, and that's all good. I'm not saying it's bad. It's great that you do all those things. But that doesn't make you who you are as a child of God, right? It, it is what has been done for you and only Christ and, and his gifts. So that's the tension that we see here uh, with uh, the Hebrews, is that the writer is saying, no, look, this, there's a fulfillment here. There's no separation. If there's a separation, this takes on a whole totally different type of faith, a, a totally different trust. You know, you know, the Old Testament prophets, the righteous shall live by what? Faith. Faith in what? The Old Testament system? No, right? In the fulfillment of what is to come in Christ Jesus. Their, their faith was looking forward to what was to come. Everything about the Bible is... About Jesus, right? So when we talk about the righteous shall live by faith, it wasn't just in this, but this was an anticipation for what was to come in the bread of life, the light of the world, and, and that's the key point here uh, with the Hebrew writer that that this is not just an autonomous like, well, we believe in this, and now Jesus is separate. No, this is all, this is all together in the fulfillment of Christ, right? And, and that's the key here. And anyways, as we continue here, um, I can't, I can't. You know, in our day and age, I think this Hallmarkian morality has become our Christianity. Do you know what I mean by that? That just this, these platitudes, just this nat- natural goodness becomes, well, you're good people, so that means you're probably good with God. It just becomes just this nebulous, cloudy picture of w- what...
1: It's almost like a religion in itself.
0: Well, we could be any religion yeah. in, that, in that way, right? Like, oh, you know, you're good. Good, Right. This is your only Christ, is your goodness, not, not Christ, right? And this is the constant tension. Anyways, yeah?
2: Just, just a quick one. Think about one of the things that we have been doing here at this church for, I don't know, how many years. And that's the food pantry. You know, we give every month to that. If the reason you're giving to that is because God first gave to you, and it's a response, everything's fine. But if you're giving it to that to earn some
0: brownie points, so to
2: speak, then there's a problem. That's right. And that's
0: actually a very fine dividing
2: line very fine. between the two, <laughs> that's
0: and okay. it's easy to step over one that's right. into the other field. That's right. I mean, it's, it's not just a food pantry, but even your offerings. It's like, ooh, round up, round down. God. <laughs> 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 like, To clench wallet, oh, oh my salvation is in, in tow right now. What am I gonna do? Oh no! Oh, okay, I'll give more because the, okay now I feel better. Whew! Now I'm in the kingdom of heaven and I'm in this place. Like that's not why we give, right? Like we, and trust me, as sinners, we might not say it that way, but when we do something good, we say, "Look, God, look what I've done." And that must account for something, right? That must amount to something for myself. And, and that's not, again, that's, that's not the key point here. The key point is the joy of, of the presence of God right now with us, not by our works, but by what has been done for us in the body and blood of Jesus, right? This is the key, friends, um, to everything that you do, the joy of Christ. I, I can't... <clears throat> that's one thing I want to tell my kids all the time, Anthony, is... Well, not tell my kids, just by our actions, by what we do... Like, that's not like we just love our kids because they're our kids, but out of the love of Christ, Tom. Like, your kid looks at you and says, that's right. It wasn't just my parents loving me, but it's through the love of Christ that we have the forgiven life and that we're under his blood. And wow, what a great life that is. So anyways, I always, you know, my kids are getting older, so I'm already missing them. (laughs) I know, he's only, my oldest one's only 15, but... He feels like he's, like, 35. I don't know. He acts like he's 35. When I was his age, oof. Let's not go there. Definitely not 35. Anyways, um, I was the youngest. You know how that goes. The youngest is always... Oh, I'm praying. Already. Anyways, um... (laughs) Dad, can you help me drive? I'm like, uh... You want me to be in the passenger seat while you practice? I don't... I'm not... I'm not that guy. We'll we'll send you... We'll send you to driver's school, because... My heart is so delicate. <laughs> Anyways. <laughs> oh, Jeff, you would. Anyways. Uh, um, <laughs> um, Coming your way too. No, it's, I think it's Elliot who I'm... He, Elliot looks like the one who would drive whatever, but Abe looks very, like... Responsible. Oh, yeah. Yeah, always 12 and 2, or 10 and 2. Mm-hmm. Not 12 and 2, but 10 and 2. Anyways, verse 5 <laughs> Elliots like me, by the way. Verse 5, if someone could read that. Scary. Someone could read that. Above it were the
3: cherubim of glory, overshadowing the mercy seat. Of these things, we cannot now speak in
0: detail. All right, so the cherubim uh, would be uh, over the mercy seat, looming over that mercy seat. As you look at your notes, uh, as guardians of the presence of God, And there, um, when we talk about, as we'll proceed here, uh, this is the place to which uh, they would, on the Day of Atonement, uh, uh, there they would sprinkle the blood um, on the mercy seat there. And um, this is the picture of, uh, you know, what we talk about the sacrifice, uh, what is to come in the true Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Every year they would have to do this. But when Jesus came to the table... To shed his blood. All that was done. Right? And this is the picture of what the writer is trying to do. Continuing on here, verse six and seven. Verse six and seven. So could read that. <clears throat>
3: when everything had been arranged like this, the priests entered regularly into the outer room to carry on their ministry. But only the high priest entered the inner room, and that was only once a year without blood, which he offered for himself and for the sins of the people, for the sins the people had committed
0: in ignorance. Alright, so, so when we talk about uh, once a year they would go in. Um, what, what is so important about that? In a sense of, this is what God mandated, of course, once a year, but when we talk about once a year uh, that they would give the sacrifice, but also uh, at the end of the day, the once and for all sacrifice, uh, what does only Christ bring to the table? Obviously, if someone could answer that. What, what does he bring to the table in his work? This is the work that they were to do, but this would happen every year. Now, when Jesus comes to the table, once and for all sacrifice, what does that, uh, uh, Im- what does that indicate for the people in this life of faith as Christians? That... The work of Christ, once and for all, atoned for their sins. That there is no more need to sacrifice and sacrifice and sacrifice. But when this sacrifice came in Christ, it was all done and finished. right? And this is, again, the picture of the fulfillment from this once a year to the once and for all. This is what Jesus brings to the table. And that is for you. So when you, when you ever have that moment where the devil is is tempting you or accusing you and saying, you know, your sins are too heavy and you, are, you, know, you, you need to make reparations for those sins by doing these things and, and Christ is not enough, well, you always go back to only Christ. And that is your answer uh, for the devil, is that Jesus has forgiven me of all my sins. Right? And that's what you need to hear all the time in this life of faith. Because this is, this is as, as Glenn said earlier, this is the tension that we face in our flesh. We know only Christ, right? But soon, uh, when we go on our own way, uh, in our own sinful nature, it doesn't become only Christ anymore. It becomes, well, option of only Christ, but then there's other options that we can go to. And and soon our sinful flesh kind of goes on that path, and soon enough we forget Christ, and soon enough we trust in ourselves, and soon enough we are working in hopes of saving ourselves, and there that is the the dangerous path we go on, right? Uh, So this once and for all, from once a year to once and for all, This is the picture to which is the anticipation for what is to come in our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Now, again, uh, once and for all, what does that mean for you? When we say once and for all sacrifice, uh, what does that mean for you right now? I
1: don't need to worry about it anymore.
0: That's right. That's right. Um, Your faith has been finished in Christ and what he has done for you, right? So let's say when you hear the words like, love your enemies, that is not something that you do to somehow kind of put the cherry on top of once and for all sacrifice, right? But actually, out of the love of Christ, this is how you are called to love and serve Neighbor. You're not trying to prove things, right? Once for all says it is it is done. Right? Does that mean we sit like stones and rob banks <laughs> or 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 do whatever we'd like? No, it is to strive to do what is good. Patterned by the one who loved us first, of course. I know I miss Ruth constantly. But um March twelfth, by the way. March twelfth, ten o'clock. Um, but for her and for you once and for all sacrifice is who you are there's no there's no going back to the well hoping that you have to do more to to make reparations for your sin that's what the Old Testament did right just going back to the well trying to make these reparations trying to you know uh, do this time and time again uh, for the sins of the people when Jesus came to the play uh, when he came to bat that was at the cross in his empty tomb and once for all he forgives you of all your sins by his blood. And, and, and this is the picture of what this tabernacle was all about. Again, you know, when we look at this Old Testament tabernacle, what do we see again? John 1, that Jesus dwelt among us. The Word made flesh dwelt among us. That, that is the tabernacling in, in the truest translation. He tabernacled with us, and that is the fulfillment of, uh, of what this Old Tabernacle was all about. Right? So again, you know, this once and for all sacrifice, once a year, No more. Because by the blood of Christ, we are saved and rescued from sin, death, and the power of the devil.
1: In its simplest form, it's almost like, you don't have to worry about this anymore. Yeah, taken care of. Focus on being more Christ-like, because this is taken care of for you. You Yeah. You don't have to worry about it. I mean, every every year they have a... in the Old Testament, they had an imperfect priest
0: and an imperfect sacrifice, right? Who, who, who did even have to give sacrifices for himself? Yeah, That's how imperfect he was. Yeah. <laughs> so, so
1: they're always worried about whether God had actually forgiven their
0: sins, right? This is the perfect sacrifice, the perfect atonement. But pastor, I mean, I know you tell me the gospel and he forgives me, but... I'm like, no, there's no, there's no, more, there's no more conjunction there. It's It's finished. I mean, that's your faith.
2: Uh, There's a big contrast. Think about the priest going in there, offering up the sacrifice, but yet the curtain remains closed. There is no access by the commoner.
0: Oh, they would die if there was.
2: Yeah. I mean... Yeah. And in fact, if you read some of the... Um, <clears throat> I don't know whether it's actually in Scripture or not, but if you read some of the extra stuff... They actually tied a rope around the high priest's foot in case he happened to die while he was in there, and they could drag him out. Okay. That's fun. But you you've got this situation where even though he makes the sacrifice, the curtain is still there, closed off, and it isn't until Christ on the cross.
0: So so this we'll close with this thought. Now, once and for all, how does that shape you? If you were clinging on to the Old Testament sacrificial system, how does that shape you? Now, once for all sacrifice of Christ, how does that shape you right now, friends? How does that shape you and define you who you are right now? Not what you want to be in the future, but who you are right now? How does that shape you? Once and for all sacrifice. Is that is that pleasant? It's
1: a tremendous relief. <laughs> it's a tremendous relief.
0: Yeah, it's, it's a tremendous relief, but that relief in a sense where your sins are accounted for and that you're not going back to the same well hoping that you've atoned enough, but rather the atonement of Christ has finished that, right? And this is your faith, right? And
1: as um, David was saying, God is approachable even for us. Listen.
0: The mediator, right? The mediator is there, Jesus Christ, right? Um, and again, Old Testament, No. No no, uh, no, one in their right mind would ever go in the holy of holies lest they would die in the presence of God. And that was the truth. But now for us, the curtain torn, life in Christ, one with God. And this is the fulfillment of all this. So everything that we see, and I think this will be a better picture once we study Exodus in 2024. But when we do, um, you'll see how this all points together. Uh, with the tabernacle and the menorah, the light, the showbread, the incense, the Ark of the Covenant, the cherubim, and it all points to Jesus. The tabernacle is Jesus, right? So it's not just Old Old Testament, like, sacrificial system, but it's actually pointing to Christ and what he has come to do, and that's the key here. Again, only Christ. Anyways, uh, all right, why don't we close there? Why don't we close there today? Why don't we close? Dearly Father, we thank you for this day. Uh, We thank you for your grace Uh, for tabernacling with us. Bless us, O Lord, in your word. Guide us in your truth and through all things. We know that by your promise you have atoned for all of our sin. Bless us in the comfort of your grace, knowing full well that by the covering of your blood, by your sacrifice, we live the redemptive life in your promises. We thank you, O Lord, for your grace. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Thanks for listening
3: to this Bible study presentation from Faith Lutheran Church in Moore Park, California. For more information, visit us on the web at faithmoorpark.com.